Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Amber. And this is Eric. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast, your podcast of fighting the good fight, reaching the end, and dying nobly. Yep. At least you hope. This week we are talking about when's it okay for your PC to die. Amber suggested this topic, and I'm going to let Amber run with this. What is this topic all about? I have Blix, Amber, Eric all here with me in my apartment, which I deem Command Central. So the four of us are all here in one room. Yeah, here I am laying down all comfy, ready to listen to them just talk like they do. And the red dot goes on Amber, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Smile! (laughs) So, Pip, please tell us about this song. All right. Proper up, guys. (laughs) Pretty much, the idea is, when is your player character allowed to die? The general idea is, if you're playing a campaign, you have a general storyline of where you want your game to go, how you want to progress. You have your big bads, you have your minions, you have your mini-bosses and what have you, but you also have your random encounters. When is it okay for a player character to die? Is it acceptable for them to, to die to a nobody monster? Or is it only permissible and acceptable to die to a new and significant enemy? Do you want to have a Tasha Yar death or a Boromir death? Unless you want the game to feel contrived, there should be the credible threat. Yeah. Regardless of where in the plot you are. Yeah. Um, right. You don't want the death to be, you know, you're killed by orc number three. You want to sit there and take a dozen orcs or so, dying with arrows sticking out of your body, and you breathe your last to your comrades. That's the kind of death you want. You don't want to be just hit by orc number three with an arrow, you're dead. <laughs> it's two sides of a coin. On one side, yeah. characters have hit points for a reason. They are supposed <laughs> to take damage, and they are susceptible to death. It happens. But... As we all know, sometimes, oh my god, the dice are out to kill you. So, if you just start a brand new campaign, you have level one characters, and as Eric had said before the show, you haven't invested a lot in them, and they are, for lack of a better term, expendable. You can roll a new two. But if you have a level eight character, you've invested time in them. But having said that, do you want them to just drop dead if the dice go wrong? Or are you going to pull a stunt as a game master to, oh, you wake up a couple hours later, you have one health point, or is it, sorry, tough luck, you're dead, start over? Well, a lot of games do have mechanics built in, or GMs will have house rules, where there is a way to at least limit the likelihood of an ignoble death. Oh, yeah, such as in the Trinity University 20 books, well, there's two things. There's the feat Death Defiance, which is a daring feat for like your, your 1920s adventurers, where you blow an inspiration point, 
if you know you're going to die from an attack, you blow that inspiration point and, oh, he fell off the cliff, but he hit every branch on the way to, and you've got to come up with a plausible backstory. I fell off, fell down the cliff, hit branches, I landed softly in bushes, rolled down a hillside and was rescued by monks, was in a monastery, and you survived the adventure. Or you have dramatic editing where something happens where you say, okay, there were branches on that cliff and I, they broke my fall. Or in other games, you have action points, fate points. Um, fate points. Right, yeah. Savage Worlds has two traits, hard to kill and harder to kill. We get hard, you get the higher level one. The only way you're ever going to die is if you roll a critical failure to stay alive. Dice are out to kill me. <laughs> in the original TriTech rules, people always thought of it as a really lethal system, but in fact is, the only thing that happened was you went into death shock, which meant your heart stopped. There was no rules about when you were actually dead. You could be at negative 250 if someone came to you with sufficiently awesome first aid skills. The GM could say, hey, you got his heart started. He's coming back. Grand Theft Auto, when you know when you like blow some dude's head off and the ambulance pulls up and the guys get out and they start pumping on his chest and he stands up. <laughs> <laughs> or you can add a situation I had in one game where a guy took two crossbow bolts above both eyes and made his death shock rolls. The, the arrows are pointing on the back of his skull and he was still alive. And I was I had that point, I said, as a GM, uh, you're not thinking too well. <laughs> if somebody dies in the middle of a battle, I'm sure there are house rules where you could say the adrenaline of the battle keeps you alive and you can seek medical attention immediately after, assuming the healer lives. Or what if the healer is the one who dies? Who resurrects the healer? The local priest back in the town. So what it sounds like you're saying, Amber, is that you should have a reasonable expectation of dying based upon the campaign, the genre, and the types of play that, that you're engaging in with the other players. No matter what game you play, if you play video games and a character dies in your party, there are means to resurrect them. Death is not necessarily permanent, unless it is. But if, if you're playing in a, a tabletop <sighs> game, there should be a reasonable assumption that if you get them to a healer fast enough, they should be a, you should be able to resuscitate them. I will be the devil's advocate and say that there should be the credible threat, however. Uh, for those of you who are not comic book fans, there's DC Dead and Marvel Dead. DC Dead means you are dead. The writers meant to kill that character off, such as the Jason Todd Robin. Then there's Marvel Dead, where you die, but you're going to come back later due to some contrivance in the story. And even Superman, when he was killed off by Doomsday, he was brought back after about, like, 10 or 20 episodes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Superman didn't just come back. Doomsday killed him with fertilizer because, like, four of him came back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but the original came back and he just came back. <laughs> and uh, Where's Doomsday? Yeah. Killed with fertilizer. I yeah. like <laughs> But don't forget, when Batman died, he went back in different, different dimensions, different times, and before he finally came back. And the superhero genre, if you're superhero role-playing and I'm running a super, my new Fringeworthy game is a superhero game, there's going to be a lot of instances where the character is going to die and then come back later. That's the thing about the death of a PC. Depending on the genre, death can be anything from, okay, your character's gone for a while to a temporary inconvenience. 
And yeah, is yeah. zero health well, necessarily a death, or is it just incapacitation? Well, it depends, Again, on, depends on the game mechanic. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. hit points, usually for, for D20, and as I said, Bruce and I are, are pretty much the D20 advocates here, zero hit points means you are you can take a move action. Negative one means you are unconscious. Now, depending on your campaign, negative 10 or negative your con value, depending on the rule you use, you are dead. Yeah. Now, in Savage Worlds... You, you only get three wounds, and then you're incapacitated, and you have to make uh, vigor rolls. So you can take more damage. They just make you, this force you to make another vigor roll. So you never really go negative wounds, which a lot of people do wrongly. But you normally just go hit three wounds, and then you're incapacitated, and then you got to keep on making uh, vigor rolls at minus three until you either die or you stabilize. But, Bruce, I have three paper cuts. <laughs> well no in savage worlds when you take a wound it's usually like an axe to the head or something like that oh so the wound is a major incapacitating yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a, like oh it's a you really praise me no yeah. you got remember, remember your average character rolls are either a d6 or a d8 for combat and you get a minus one or minus two and a minus three to that roll that's very important especially your target number can be an eight it starts at a four it starts at a four, but if, you're, if you're in combat, it's worse. As far as the mechanics are concerned, sometimes you have target numbers that are static, but most of the time you're doing opposed roles, which is where it can be much higher than four. There are some systems that it depends on genre, it depends on system you're playing, as yep, to yep. the lethality of your game. If you don't like playing games where your characters can be killed easily, well, don't play that game or that system. Switch to a system where your characters can't be nerfed too easily. Like, you know, like don't play a game where uh, a couple orcs can take you out every 50 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, stop playing Call of Cthulhu. But, right, you know, 45 oh, minutes later. Oh, you're never bad-mouthing systems here, people. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not trying to bad-mouth the system. I'm saying if you, you never die in Call of Cthulhu, you go insane. Right, exactly. That <laughs> yeah, way, not using the character again. Again, I, I'm, I'm just talking preference. I'm not, again, I'm not the making any judgment. The only thing I'm thinking when you say that, Reavers... Because because some games some games are better played where there is that level of lethality you know and that's what you want to play. Well, there's always a house rule, especially for supers. It's called the four color rule. When you're in the four color rule, it's basically you can't die. No one can die unless unless you purposely say I'm going to try to kill that person. Otherwise, all your damage is non-lethal. It's all GI Joe deaths. Your plane blows up and there's a shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you oh, always you eject before you get hit. Or the, or the, or the A-team death, you know, yeah, where yeah. there's nothing but bullets everywhere and nobody even ever gets hit. You just get a car flipped every or now and then. Or occasionally yeah. you need some medical attention, which can usually be resolved by the first aid kit at, right. in the contrivance building. Right. And don't forget the soccer, soccer magic towel. towel. Yes. <laughs> I think we're kind of going a little with scans here. We're not really interested in the idea of where you just have a bad die roll. You step on the square and it comes back down, you know, the big brick drops on you. I think the more important question is for you to decide what are you willing to die for? Before you can have a heroic death or a noble death, you've got to have a reason to die that you're willing to put yourself out there to the point where there's no turning back. That's not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Let's say you're playing something like a, a samurai or something, right? Yeah, noble warrior. So long as that character dies in a fair, straight-up fight, 
he's cool with it, you know? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what kind of quest it was. It could just be a street fight. If it was a good death. Yeah, it was yeah. a good death. Yeah, if I had to roll for surprise and die before I even knew what happened to me, <laughs> yeah. I'd be pretty upset. Let's talk about the other side of that. When does it suck, or what's a sucky way to kill people's player characters as a game master? Where do you as a game master fail your players when you kill them? Random monster encounters out in the wilderness where you're attacked by a bunch of wolves and get eaten alive. Not that it actually ever happened to me, you know. <laughs> you're, oh, oh, you mean the arbitrary death. Yeah, that does yeah. suck. That does yeah, suck. Yeah. I call it the Tasha Yar death, where you, your character's just killed off for no reason whatsoever. Uh, just uh, as an example. Yeah. So as a game master, if you're trying to make your adventure seem lethal, killing one of the player characters is a bad idea, just, just to get that point across. If you want to make it lethal, you want to make it seem dangerous, you injure one of them. And, yeah. like, create some sense of tension. And, but I, I was going to say long-term ailment or something. So in other words, let's say you want to create this level of, of uh, danger. You have them get one of their hands chopped off or something like yeah. that, right? It's not going to kill the character. And when they get back to the healer or whatever, or medical facility or Darth Vader's <laughs> cybernetic makers or whatever it is, uh, they they can get their hand back, but for the rest of the adventure, they got to run around with one hand, and that creates like a holy. <laughs> he's not playing, you know. <laughs> I got me a hook. <laughs> right, I think you're right. Just just killing somebody off to prove a point that doesn't work. I think that actually works against you. So yeah. someone dies during that important plot well, element. That's exactly what I was going for. If you're that dying makes... to just a random group of orcs, that's kind of unnecessary. It's pointless. There's no real reason for anyone to really die to a random encounter. Unless the group is in their way of achieving their goal. Sometimes there's no goal yet. Generally, when you're playing a character, and this is part of the backstory, these characters are above and beyond the normal schmo that's in the village or milling through the city or whatever. That's why we're out here in the first place. They know that the occupation that they have gotten into, adventurer, whether in a fantasy, they're a fire, a cleric, a ranger, a wizard. They're occupational or, hazards. Or if they're a superhero. Or if they're a far future adventurer, like a, a space freighter pilot or a soldier. They know going in, death is part of the job description. There is a chance that you may not be coming home. And depending on your inclination, now if you're like, Okay, I'm a hacker. Unless somebody busts in your computer room and guns you down, no. A soldier? You're trained to expect death. The characters, whatever the occupation, they know to a varying degree that they're going to die. So, yeah, it, it's there, but Amber and others have brought up a good point where are you going to die fighting the good part? Are you going to get, like Blitz said, being took out like a punk? Orc number three, or do you want to go up again? Like, if you're a superhero, I'm going to take out evil. The superhero's going, yeah, I could die by a gunshot from a guy in an alley, or I'm going up against the criminal mastermind. The superhero's going to want to know that he died taking out the criminal mastermind. Or try. Well, there's one other thing, too. A caveat to that is that it doesn't even have to be, you know, nobody that takes you out. My favorite death is Boba Fett. Now, oh, yeah. yeah. Boba Fett's, I mean, he's taken out by Han Solo. I know they, they retconned it that he wasn't killed, but in the movie he was killed. Yeah. yeah. He was taken yeah. out 
by Han Solo. He was taken off by the blind guy not even trying. Right, yeah. by accident. And I mean, come on, it's a Boba Fett. This wasn't like, this was <laughs> this Boba was, Fett. This was the most the most dangerous bounty hunter in the galaxy. He was taken off by a blind guy with a pole arm on a skiff on a sand planet. Who's going, Boba Fett? Where? Where's Boba <laughs> Fett? <laughs> <laughs> but he's taken out by a major player in the campaign, you know, in, in, the, in the universe, but... By, by stupid means. Because I'm a firm believer that if you're in your setting and there is not yet the great goal yet, at the beginning, what happens happens to set the tone. If a party member dies very early in the game, it's, I don't want to say casual, but it's relatively easy to just have oh, this is Bob's cousin, who's now angered by the death of his most beloved cousin, he's going to go out and take up the mantle of it, which is a classic comic book and uh, fantasy reference. Right. So, very early on, you set the, you know, the, the, what happens, happens, and then once you get up and level a little bit, and once the, the arc starts to happen, or once the plot, as it were, starts to happen, then you do want to shy away from the pointless death. If you're in the big fight, maybe not against the big bad, but if you're in the big fight and you go down... A battle in the big war. Yeah. You, and you go down for a reason. There's no ill in that. I, now, if you die like Boba Fett, you know, that didn't know. I have to disagree with you, Eric. A first-level character is not disposable. If, if your character can be killed and no one cares then you have failed to create a character. The thing of it is, is if you have a group of players, four or five players and your game master, your players have put a lot of effort into creating their character, into deciding who they are. They should have, at least. They should have. An assumption that this is going to be their player, character, that this is who they're going to be. And if you're at point A, the very beginning of the game, and it isn't until point C that you learn what the major plot of the story is, and you're at point B fighting a random encounter on your way to point C, it shouldn't be acceptable for your character to die the first fight in. Well, congratulations. It's an artificial contrivance. There's no credible threat. What's the point? One of the things we have to go by is, is that we must assume that people care about their characters and we're not playing high school D&D, okay? Because otherwise this topic doesn't apply. Right. This, this topic does not apply to people who don't give a crap about their characters. And it's not 30 years ago anymore. People play role-playing games because they want to play a character now. Well, I mean, some people still do that. Some people still make up some character. They don't care about it. You know, it's just their vehicle for rolling dice and doing Yeah, whatever. basically, they're, they got a character sheet, but they're basically doing, like, playing Munchkin the card game. Right. Go in the dungeon, kick in the door, fight the monster, get the treasure... Right. Lather, rinse, repeat. They ought to just use their Xbox then. Right, <laughs> right. Well, exactly. I mean, for some people, it, it is that. But for this show, let's just assume that's not what we're talking about right. because this show would not apply to those people. They don't care. You don't care. Why should anyone care? They're like in the Gamers 2 Darkness Rising, the, the person with the pile of character sheets. Character's dead. Boom, another one. Boom, another one. I could do this all night. Dude, I had, <laughs> I had a guy in my game when we were kids. His character died, and he said... He said, hold on, hold on, I can make up a new character in, in like five minutes. He said, four, if you let me keep the name. <laughs> so wow. I well, I, I There's a lot of hard pointing to the character. I, I'm going to have to go with um, a series of games that I've been in where there has been character death 
not always in the direct pursuit of the plot, and it doesn't diminish from the game, and the people playing it don't feel like they've been cheated. Because, A, as gamers, they know that if it is a if there is the credible threat of death out there in the game, then it might happen. Tonight, the dice hate me. Oh, well, That's going to happen, but that's radically different from killing characters for the sake of killing characters. But at higher levels, yes, there is more invested in the character. There should be a greater expectation of the circumstances of the death. I know what you're talking about with the credible threat. You take away the credits. It's kind of like, why is Superman a really boring character? I mean, it, I hate Superman as a character. I think he's, he's the most boring character he's ever. He's one-dimensional. What's that? He's one-dimensional. Yeah, right. Well, not only that, he's not only one-dimensional, but he oh, he's going to win because he's Superman. <laughs> I mean, unless you pull out the magical kryptonite, you know? In which but, case, he might still beat you. Right. You know, you want your character to have weakness because then that, that breeds interest. But to have weakness, he has to be able to be hurt. So every once in a while you gotta hurt him, and I think you know you don't have to kill him though to get that point across. You can incapacitate him because I can tell you what's worse than making up a new character: having to play an injured character for three weeks straight. Because I've had to do that because because oh. the campaign we were playing it took us like three weeks to finish it, but only like three days had gone by. And we we're playing a very realistic system, so I had to play this character who was badly injured. For three adventures. And you didn't it, have the benefit of any advanced healing. Like no, 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 no. Because it was a very realistic, it was a modern game okay. setting. Yeah. So yeah. that real credible threat was really there, but he didn't have to kill my character. I, I, and I, everybody behaved after that. If you have a game system that has the built-in mechanics well, the game master can, Well, the Game Master can just do that. He uh, has that power. Because he can say, you know what? By the rules here and by my rules and everything, you should be dead. But what I'm going to say is this. You're very close to death, and this is going to be a very difficult couple hours for you playing as a character. And you might still die anyway. Okay. But, but I mean, that's stuff the Game Master can do, and then the person's like, they have to work their ass off to keep the character alive. Yes. When you know that it's going to be the same person running the same game, where the rules aren't going to be changing based on who's running that night. Right. Yes, you can do that. When the consensus has been reached of what a injury or adverse effect does that we can all agree on, then yes, that is a suitable replacement for the threats and vagarities of battle. You don't have to have people necessarily dying right. just to prove the point. When you can do that, you know, in lieu of death, that is preferable. Well, hold on. And so do you guys want to talk about how to get around it now? I mean, like, there, yes. there are ways around killing characters, things, other things you can do other than just letting a character die. Bruce, you want to, are you good with moving on? Please. Okay. <laughs> John? All right, so in our current campaign, we have two things that keep characters alive. And the first one's called, it's a, it's a, it's a merit. And the Game Master said, when you're making up your character, it's one point, and it's one point because every hero should have it. It, it normally would be like a, uh, you know, a five or six point merit, but it's a one point merit because it's so common to heroes that every hero should have it. It's called warning fire. And basically, if you spend one of your bennies, because we have bennies that we play with, anytime anyone gets surprised on you or they shoot before you do, as long as it's like the first time, the first shot that's fired or, or it's the first time you're being shot at, you can spend a benny, activate your warning fire, and it misses you. 
It's a shot across the bow. It just makes them miss you. Um, but it, it, it's the, whoa, what was that? Yeah. Okay. Right. Or, or you're well, like. You might cut a few hairs off. Like, <laughs> right. Or, or you're walking down the trail and you go, oh, my shoe's untied. And you bend down <laughs> and the bullet hits the rock behind you. But that's your, it's sort of like your hero thing. The other thing we have is called Left for Dead. And that's another one. But this is one that everybody just gets inherently. And that's, if you have a Benny, which is why we always save one. You never spend your last one. No matter what happens to you, you can spend a Benny and say, they're going to leave me for dead. So what it means is that you've got as close to death without dying as possible. And for whatever reason, the enemy has decided to let you that's lay there really and be dead. Well, they think you're dead. And the no, game no, no. master can, can go through They're any, moving on. Yeah, he can go through any gyration to make it seem like you're dead. It could be as simple as you're laying on the ground bleeding out, you're not moving, they don't have time to investigate the bodies. They're just going to assume you're or dead. Or something interesting is going on over right. yonder. Or an explosion Ooh. goes off, right? Boom. And Ooh, shiny. Just yeah. as the explosion went off, a piece of debris the size of a human blew up in front of you and sheltered you, but blew you down the hill. So they don't even, And you're laying down the hill under this piece of debris. It's and, like the death defiance feet. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So th those are two things that exist in our game to keep players alive, and it seems to work really well. The Left for Dead kind of sucks, though, because that's it. You're out of the game until... Yeah, you are. Yeah. Until, Death Defiance is like that, too. So. It's, it's until you can get a chance to bring your character back yeah. in. So it's not just a freebie. It's, it's not nerfing it. It's like you have to suffer. You might not even be able to play the rest oh, of it. Oh, no. In my last Burns the D20 campaign, Eric's character was in a gun battle with the big bad. The rest of the party could have been in the gun battle, but they chickened out and stayed down in the alleyway when I was doing the... Wait a minute, we're all supposed to be heroic and swashbuckling. I swing in from the roof, swing in through the open window, and fight him toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and then we pull out our respective weapons from eight feet away and shoot each other. And in classic Hollywood, I think we were missing, what, about 40% of the time? Yeah, and no, no. Well, I had the Death Defiant feat. I gave it to all first level. Boom, that was your daring feat. You got it. Clayton got ventilated. He was, as you say, pumping air. Well, no, no, that was because you sent me to, like, negative 100-something. Oh, no, no, my, my villain ventilated his character. It wasn't pretty. I did the damage, and it was, I, I, it takes a lot for me to actually win. So I was like, oh, man. But he was out of the game, you know. He was literally blown across the alley from a third-story balcony down to a second story and crashed into this old lady's apartment who dragged him to a healer. actually a healer. Yeah, could. so we, we did that, and that's how we prevent, because... His character was vital to this campaign. His character was made to come in and get the big bad. Uh, I get sent him in and said, okay, this rogue guy dead agent, you need to go after him because he knows stuff and we don't want that knowledge out there. So I wanted to keep Dr. Clayton Whitehall alive. So he had the death defying feat. It was a perfect time to use it. He blew all his inspiration points. He came back the next adventure. There was an explanation, the whole schmear. So... That worked. I wanted Clayton alive because... And he's feeling much better now. Yeah, but I mean, he was vital to the campaign because he was made specifically to go after the big bad. That was his goal. That was, you know, what he was brought into the campaign for. And to have killed him off, it was by the big bad. Yeah, he was doing his job, but it was still too early in the campaign. Clayton was still needed. Looking at the bigger picture, if my character had died... That would have, would have been, been a, a, a good death. Yes. Now, there were other times where the guys are storming in to take the little side base or whatever, 
Yeah, that's the kind of thing where, because it's not directly central to the issue, the blast door closes at the wrong second, I'm sealed off, partial building collapse, I'm not going to be able to be out for the next, you know, four hours until you cut me out. That's different. So, hey, John, we haven't heard your voice in a while. Oh yeah, you guys been you guys been t- didn't go out talking, so I know, I know. <laughs> we miss you, John. Yes, we do. Well, I see what this is. You'll make me talk, so John doesn't. <laughs> oh, you figured it out. So, so go ahead, John, why don't you um, why don't you go ahead and jump in? I'm not worried about when about killing off characters because I, I actually don't try to kill them off unless unless I actually have a need in the story to kill off a character. And I usually will talk to the the player beforehand so we can arrange things so we actually can have a a good death for the character. So I sort of prearrange deaths when I, when, I, when I do it. They don't know when it's going to happen, but they have a good idea where, when it's appropriate to have the, the heroic death. Yeah, yeah if you're going game. to die, how would you like to die? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I yeah. think at this point, we've covered some of the basics on these issues at least. Maybe yeah, we yeah. should quickly cover the what if... The party does, or the individual in question, does something, <clears throat> I'll be polite and say unexpected, um, <laughs> uh, un- ill-advised. Oh, stupid they, player decisions that get themselves killed. Stupid, yeah. right. stupid player tricks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, okay. Which uh, may be spectacular or may be gruesome. You know? <laughs> well, no, whether it's good or bad, it's always spectacular. Unless you're playing a dungeon where pushing the red button is going to kill you. It's usually going to end up in a fight, probably not, or and 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 or capture. I, I've been trying lately, uh, trying to capture player characters instead of kill them. They're not worried about death, but now they worry about incarceration. The guy without demolition skill trying to defuse the bomb. The guy running into the police station by himself. He and GM have decided the bomb's going to go off, and the bomb's not going to go off, because you're not going to depend on him making a skill roll at that point, because he will blow the skill roll. You know he will. So you either have it blow up in his face, or you just get tell him blue wire or red wire, choose. Don't bother rolling. Blue wire, red wire, choose. Yeah, that's more R O L E playing, not R O L L playing. Yeah. Yeah. If that rolls into that that whole thing we've talked about before, where if a skill roll needs to be made, you don't make them roll a die. It's just made. Or you leave it to the player to choose, and you never cut the red wire. You always cut the blue wire. I was going to cut the red one. <laughs> Bruce, do you have any uh, any ways around killing the characters? Well, first of all, we have a problem here, and that is, is this character is not being true to himself. He's trying to do something that's clearly outside of his range of ability. Mm-hmm. And so I have to ask, you know, what is he doing? Is he just trying to steal spotlight time? Sometimes. I would say it's not okay for characters to die because somebody isn't playing his character according to his own definition of his character. That's not okay for a PC to die in that circumstances. And I would expect the GM to basically nerf his character every way possible to make sure that doesn't happen because that isn't the point of, of how the, the situation is supposed to play out. I also think that a lot of times that you get into these situations is because the GM hasn't given you enough information to see alternate decisions that you can make. You're so busy focused on the door right in front of you, you don't notice the trap door right on your feet. It may be that. It may be that you know, you're trying to defuse the bomb when, in fact, is you should be intimidating the guy who made the bomb. You should be running. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should be running. 
What is it about your character that makes him want to stand there and throw his life away? I mean, if you're trying to stop an entire city from blowing up, okay, fine. That's a righteous death no matter what. No one is going to complain about that character death. It's the part where you go down the wrong alley and the gangbanger pulls out his gun and shoots you because you're the wrong skin color, okay? Or you're from the wrong whatever. And I'm saying that that's where the player needs to say to himself, this isn't where I'm supposed to die. So what choices do I have here so my character doesn't die? There should not be a failure of imagination, and it's up to the GM to help them see that, and all the other players, too. Think of all the things that have been done theatrically. The player character surrenders. The player character starts acting like a crazy man. The player character lies. The player character runs away. I mean, there's got to be more decisions. The player character says, I hear the sound of alarm. The police are coming. Is this where you want to be in 15 seconds? I'm the son of so-and-so. Don't you think I'd be worth more alive to you than dead? Part of dying appropriately is making sure you don't die for stupid reasons. And going up and calling the, a, a silly name, that will definitely get your head cut off. So don't do it. Or, ha- or have the GM around this have, have the king go up and go, Oh, that's so funny! Tell me another one! Oh, that's so pretty! People are blatantly doing something stupid. Not acting out or being bored, but I mean, when they're blatantly doing something suicidal, I've been in plenty of occasions where the GM does literally ask you, did you really just do that? And not in the sense of, I didn't hear you, but in the sense of, warning, do this ill-advised from a different... Yeah. (laughs) One of the things that I like to do is, when I have, I don't game master a lot, but when I do, when people do something stupid, to me, killing their character is letting them, is actually letting them off the hook. I like to punish their character. Oh yeah, I I unfortunately I, am of that of that school also. You want to do this? There are consequences to your actions, not right. just in real life, but in this game. If you do so, your character does something, there will be an equal and opposite reaction. Right. You go and tell the king, you know, you suck. You're going to end up at the very least in the dungeon, if not missing your head. I would make the person play that character and go through some of that dungeon stuff. I would have his character tortured and have the person have to play it, make roles. When the person's like, oh, man, this sucks. And it's just like, all right, so your character goes through this for a couple of months, and the next time you do something stupid, you're going to wind up back here. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) Think! Because I'm not going to be so nice as to kill your character. I I have to do that because I have, in my Friday game, my 12-year-old nephew, Jericho. He is 12. This is his first time role-playing. I usually have him play kid characters. Right now he's playing a 14-year-old gangbanger. And it's like I'm having to explain to him, if you do this, there is a good chance this will happen. And the other players back me on this. is like, Jericho, you don't want to do this. So what I'll do is like I'll make them have a tactics role. You may be saying this. Your character's knowledge, however, is saying this is not up there on the list of bright ideas. You might not want to do this. I give him an option to not do something stupid. No matter what your system is, whatever your increment of hit points is, one hit point, one wound, it's important. Stop acting like you're a tough guy. Yep. Because if you have eight hit points or 80 hit points and you take one point of damage, you've taken damage. 
It should change your thinking. I'm not saying that you should be some kind of a weak Susan. All apologies to people out there named Susan, by the way. People, they go and they say, okay, I took four hit points of damage. I still have four left. Okay, let's keep going. If the monster says, I just took a point of damage. I'm bleeding. I really didn't come here to bleed. And they turn around and they start running. You're going to live. And if you do the same thing, you're going to live. Until the time comes when you have to do it because that's why you came. Because there's a goal so important to you that you have to commit to it even if you die. Well, yeah, the whole thing with the mechanics of measuring life, hit points, wounds, whatever, it's a relative term. If you have eight hit points and you take four... You're badly injured. That's going to give you a lot more incentive to go, oh, oh I'm not going through this and again and again anytime soon. Yeah, but you should give yourself pause even if you take one hit point damage. Even if you take one wound, you should start saying, you know, this could end with me dying. This could end with us all dying. Is there another solution? Or maybe that nuclear weapon I've been saving for the big bad, maybe I should use it now. Let's say you take four hit points and you've got 80. Yeah. Relatively, that would be a bullet graze. Now, granted, it's a bullet graze and you know you could probably survive a lot longer, but still, you've taken a bullet graze. A bullet has hit you. You've just taken a lot less damage than if that thing hits center mass. Now, if you've got eight hit points and you take four, the bullet hits center mass. For hit points, and D&D uses hit points, it's not just your physical health. Over time, as you increase hit points, you also learn split-second movements to move your body so you're not quite getting the massively lethal hit at one time. Learning to roll with it a little bit. Yeah, right. Thank you. That was learning. You roll with the punches better, so you take less damage. And also, to an element, luck. I mean, to an extent, luck. Yeah, yeah. But you shouldn't act like you have 80 hit points. Well, right, yeah, you don't know that that's mitigating. Exactly, and that's my complaint. My complaint is that people die for stupid reasons. People don't die when they should die because they don't take what's happening to their character seriously. They don't role-play it out. They don't say, if I could be taking damage, then if I'm going to fight, I need to be all in. I need to go for it as hard and fast as I can, and if I start taking damage, I need to get out of there. Unless, of course, it's the finality, the reason you came. Because you never know when your number is up. And games like D20 Modern introduced the idea of you having 80 hit points, getting more damage than your constitution, failing a roll, and you're at negative one. Ah, yes, the massive damage threshold. Well, in D&D, it's for a medium-sized character, a.k.a. human elf dwarf, if you take 50 hit points in one shot, that's the massive damage. If you're taking 50 hit points in one shot, that's pretty much a big hit anyways. But you should always assume that that next hit is going to have 50 hit points of damage in it. Well, that's why you have such things as cover and concealment, and you use surprise and tactics. Right. Right. In D20 Modern, that game was made to simulate modern-day combat and action movies where you're having to deal with firearms, which can kill with one shot or at least put you down for the count. That's why they made the massive damage threshold. I like that idea. I use that in D&D as opposed to the 50 hit points, and then you've got to deal with it. I see where Bruce is going with this. Oh, yeah. 
that does sound like he and I are coming from completely different schools of gaming. I'm not saying that you're wrong. You have a legitimate point from your circle. It is going to boil down to a convention at the table of what the expectations are. There are plenty of mechanics already out there where just because your character is out of the fight does not necessarily mean that you are dead. The whole point of most adventurers is the foreknowledge that this is a dangerous line of work. Yes. If it was safe, everyone would be doing it. Right. You are of a unique mindset. You are the creme de la creme of your society. You're not the normal person. You have given up the concept of a normal life in order to do this unique occupation. You know going in that death is around the corner, that you may not be coming back for your mission. Military are the same way. They know every time they go out and, you know, some mission, they may not be coming back. So they're going to do everything that they can that if I go down, I'm going down doing what I am here to do. I think one of the big problems is that the players have a sense of disassociation with their player characters. We're not as acutely aware of of hygiene, of bodily needs, the the need to eat, the need to use the restroom, etc. So when your player character takes damage, we don't really fully grasp the damage that has been taken. There's, there's just a general mindset of, I have hit points left, I can still fight. Well, you can, but most it, you have to have a really experienced gamer to not have that dissociation. The thing uh, of it is, is you have eight hit points. You just took four damage. That's half your health. Yes. You are significantly wounded. But the problem is, is a lot of, not necessarily inexperienced gamers, but it's just a general assumption to those who haven't learned the mindset of damage accumulation that you still have hit points going. But depending on the group of gamers and depending on the expectations of the game, right? you can have the accepted mindset be it is a certain amount of dissociation and to others you can have it literally be where every hit should evoke the yelp or the, the concern for so being in harm's way. Halo, hey, this is me finding cover. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So at what point, how much damage do you need to take before your character is so wounded that they shouldn't be fighting at all? Well, there are uh, game mechanics, there are certain games that have, once you start taking, like, okay, after you take half your hit points, you start taking penalties. After three quarters of your hit points, you start taking penalties. I don't believe D20 has that, but I've seen it in other systems where... If you're down a certain number of hit points, like, if you take half your hit points, you're going to end up limping and stumbling just because you've taken bodily damage. You're losing blood. You've taken damage to a particular part of your body. In Savage Worlds, if someone get past your armor and toughness and they do at least four points of damage above your your toughness, you take a wound. There's no hit points. You have have a wound track, and you immediately get a minus one to all your trait rolls. There you go. That's what I mean. That's exactly yeah. what I was looking for. Thank you. In Sarah's World, as soon as you take a wound, you all make a get a minus one. Two wounds, you got a minus two. And at three wounds, it's a minus three. And when you're only rolling a D6 or a D8 to hit somebody, that's a major handicap. I wish D20 yeah. did have something like that. Amber brought up dissociation. 
And it's true. You tabletop gamers out there, you get in combat, you know, you're there at the table, and you're going, you're like, yeah, my character's going to do this and this, and you forget that your character should not be acting like this. You, your if character, your character just got a bullet to, the, to their fighting arm, they're not going to be able to wield their sword as best as they used to. <laughs> and that's what I mean. There should be, the, the game mechanic, depending on what it is, should have penalties saying, if you've taken this much damage, or you have taken a, yeah, an arrow to the knee, for example. I'm going to use that joke again. Uh, I believe Star Wars D20 had particular rules. If you take damage to head or limbs or whatever, and it listed penalty to skills, penalties to movement. That was in the first edition Star Wars D20, I believe. But at least that system had that. But the dissociation, it's just a lot of game masters because they're trying to, you know, okay, I'm trying to run the monsters. I'm trying to get all these players, their information straight. You know, talking about players, you know, not taking care, you know, this would lead to the players ultimately okay. dying. New players, you should... Accommodate. Accommodate. In games that I'm in, the more seasoned characters don't mind if at the lower levels if they die nearly as much as the newer players. Is today the day that you just had the 17, or what felt like the 17-hour board meeting that wasn't going to end, um, <laughs> and you could no longer care whether uh, Skippy, the wonder uh, hamster um, that's supposed to be nigh immortal, whether he dies spectacularly or not, you're going to do things you would not normally have done with that character just because you need a vent. There are other days where if you had a beautiful day, you're going to play this character with the diligence and the planning that you've had all week to build up on. And it will be poetic and beautiful and yeah. perfect. <laughs> exactly. When we're talking about characters who do stupid things and get themselves killed, because that's one thing, well, how do we mitigate... A character doing something stupid and getting another character or other, or other characters killed. Like the defusing bomb guy. <laughs> all right. So, so great. He gets blown up. All right. But what if we're all in that vault? And what if we don't know that he can't defuse a bomb, but he's telling us he knows how to? Because I've had, I've played in campaigns where someone has taken the overconfident flaw and they say they can do things, but none of us know that they can't do it, and they put us all in jeopardy. There's very easy conventions for this. First, the first time the player does something incredibly stupid that doesn't get everyone killed, but could have, the next time he stands up and says, I can do this, well, there's a lot of game systems that have <clears throat> the effect of, I believe it's sense motive or you know some other yeah. thing. And then the general, sit down, you know, hand on shoulder, sit down, you know, we're not letting you near the um, history eraser button no matter what you tell us. Yeah, price. Uh, <laughs> but Eric, <laughs> someone sent us up the bomb. <laughs> if someone sent me a bomb to blow up the players, the other players in the room will have issues. No, no, let me rephrase that. Edit outward, character. The people... At the table, yeah. we'll be talking to me later that evening. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me give this scenario. Let's like say the there is a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> You're trapped in a vault. There's a bomb. Overconfidence, flaw. I can defuse it. And he's working. He's working. Red wire, blue wire. Doesn't know which one to blow up. Or cut. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jumping the gun, are we? <laughs> yes. 
So, so let's say he cuts the red wire and it explodes, but he realizes it's exploding and he tries to sacrifice himself to save his party. He covers it with his body. He explodes. Does that necessarily save the players? Or will his exploding body and blood going everywhere possibly infect the other players? I died by bone shrapnel? What? Yes! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. Hey, if you're going you, to you die, may as well be glorious. <laughs> yeah. No, I have to point out, because point out, I've talked to people who've seen them, is if you're finding an atomic bomb, just put a block of C4 on it and detonate. You get a lot of radioactive material, but basically atomic bombs are very delicate, and if you just blow them up at random, they don't explode. They simply scatter. Yeah. We're not addressing the issue. <laughs> I know, I know, but this guy tosses no, it in I'm just saying, though, that usually what happens is, is that the first time the character with overconfident puts the whole party at risk. Well, how do they know that no, no, he I'm was saying... overconfident if it works? Um... Yeah, Usually I know the guy to... sitting next to him goes, wait a minute, you don't have that skill at all, or... That's no, metagaming. That's metagaming. That's no, metagaming. no, 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 or, wait a minute, when you were doing that, you had your eyes closed! I'm that good. <laughs> yeah, bluff check. I'm just that good, yeah. Okay. Um, you have a red but... wire, you have a blue wire. Let's say by chance he cuts the blue wire and it's diffused. How does the rest we, of the party we, know we, that we, he doesn't know what he was doing? We've done this, we've had this, uh, this, this comes from one of our games... We had a guy who had this overconfident, and he loved to play on it. This guy was very lucky. <laughs> and he would pull this stuff off. The rest of us, we knew, or the, us as players knew. And every time he would do one of these things, we'd be like, oh, man, is this going to be the adventure where our characters all die? <laughs> and, and he would pull it off. And, he's, and then he became the bomb expert in the group. And the guy knew nothing about demolitions, but he managed to fudge his way through. And it's just like, I can't believe this goes on week after week. And, and he didn't do it too often, but it was just like any time something came up that had to do with explosive stuff, his character would go, oh, I'll take care of it. And the rest of us would be like, yeah, he's our bomb expert. And it was just like, we're all sitting there going, in any minute, yeah. <laughs> it's going to well, be the death of all of us. Although there is entirely acceptable the now infamous in our group, way back there, implying... We're behind you. Way behind you. Yeah. If, if you're not terribly confident of the person, if there is a safe or remote location to be from while still be involved in anything that happens immediately after. Why are you looking at me, Taryn Shaster, the thief that's <laughs> accusing traps and the entire rest of the party is about 50 feet away playing cards? Yeah, uh, Behind the wall. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't have to be far into the room. You just need to be behind somebody else. This is where telepathy and radios come in handy. Yes. <laughs> But, but you know, if you're right about the other skill checks, it's rebringing other skill checks. You're right. You could, you could have, you could use a sense motive type of thing. You could use, um, you know, bluff checks or, or stuff like that. And then you could determine, he doesn't know what he's doing. Or, or you have someone else in the group who actually is a bomb expert, and he goes, he was just guessing. Believe me, <laughs> I can tell. What you do is you go and talk to him afterwards. So how would you know they cut the wire? Oh, right. I remember this movie I saw. Right. And that's when they killed him, Your Honor. <laughs> right. no, but, John, that's a, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that. That's that's where you could go, you know, you start questioning, and it's innocent, because your character, I, I want to know, because, you know, you're a bomb That was expert. amazing. I would like to know, yeah, tell me, how did you know, right, and then that's where he can't answer the question. Yeah. And then you're like, you guessed, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you son of a... Yeah. Right. Uh, I was going to say, another way to uh, discourage the characters from doing that kind of stuff 
and this is a, a meta trick, is you throw stuff at the other player when he starts doing this kind of stuff. You, you threaten him with his life. <laughs> no, no, no. If you're playing a game where you have 8 hit points or 80 hit points, you've taken a wound and the next wound could kill you, and you just go on anyways, well then any death is a good death. You've basically stated that through your play style, that it's okay to die at any time. If you actually want your character to have a significant death, then that's not the kind of play we're talking about. In the near future, mankind will discover something that will change him forever. An ancient portal system to millions of worlds. Built by a civilization of advanced alien beings, now lost to the ravages of an interdimensional war, you will venture forth into the fringes of space and time to find alternate Earths and alien worlds, where he will find the wondrous bounty of knowledge as to who he was and what he might become. He will also find danger at every turn as he encounters hostile societies, alien beings, and the insidious Miller. Fringeworthy, the tabletop game of interdimensional adventure is now available for a D20 system, and coming soon to Savage Worlds. Action and adventure await you as you explore through the interdimensional fringes of space to an infinite number of new worlds. Your characters will face danger and excitement around every corner. Sail with Blackbeard on the Seven Seas. Journey to a steampunk Victorian age. Fight the Soviets in an 80s America that lost the Cold War. Travel to an alternate future and witness a supernova from the bridge of a starship, and then battle it out with blasters and plasma swords. Use any D20 setting you already own, or invent your own. Check out the French Woody Podcast at tritaxsystems.podbean.com to find out more. Whether you've never heard of Fringeworthy or have been playing it for the past 25 years, the Fringeworthy Podcast will entertain and inform you of all the cool stuff you can do with the most all-encompassing setting ever written. Every week, we'll take you on a tour of the fringes of space and give you tips on how to game in this fantastic multiverse. We discuss adventure ideas for the game masters and how to keep your team of characters alive for the players. Go to tritacsystems.podbean.com and take a listen. You can also find us on iTunes under keyword Fringeworth. A million million worlds await you. Music by Ernster, available on iTunes. Let's talk about what you do when the character has died. Right, wrong, whatever. But let, let's say it was righteous because that, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do righteous yep. deaths. So... You guys are all playing, and somebody has lost their character. Where do you go from here? Playing Fringeworthy, and you're on some strange alternate. That's the point where you, you, you can turn around and say, well, you, you can play without Joe until you, until you get back to base and you can roll a new character up. Or Joe can, be, can now be from this world. His, you found a Fringeworthy on this world and have him roll up a quick character. Depending on the setting, death can be either mm-hmm. the end, final, done, Roll up a new character. It can be a temporary inconvenience, like in D&D, where we take our guy back, we take the corpse back to the local healer, we pay Mm -hmm. all our treasure that we got to resurrect our friend. Well, let me ask this. What about zombies? In Bureau 13, you you can die and still be a Bible player character. Oh, yeah, ghost vampire, whatever. (laughs) Or, like in a superhero campaign or in a high-tech campaign, you have cloning. Congratulations, in three days you're back. You just have to suffer three games downtime. Then you can just say, three days later, we clone your character, you're back. It depends on the setting. 
Now, mm -hmm. Frenchworthy, you can sit there and say, okay, there was a strange device on this world and it managed to resurrect you, or you now have, you know, techno-organic systems in you which keep you alive, therefore you can go on the fringe paths or whatever. Or you're playing a new character at that point. My current players right now would opt for playing a character from that world rather than resurrecting their character. All right, so let, let's go with that you're playing a new character. Yeah. All right, so there, there are a couple options here. Let's say you're playing, you guys have been playing for a while. And everybody's character is getting pretty well experienced, right? Do you make the player make up a brand new spanking character who's going to basically just be in the shadows for the next six months to where he gets at least reasonably good, but he's still always going to be, you know, half as good as everybody else? Is that something that you opt for? Or do you have a system in place where you can circumvent that at least somewhat? That I have found depending on the group I'm with. A lot of times the mechanic is either like, yes, you might be coming back as a first level character and have to worm your way forward, but in a lot of game systems, it's really, you know, if you're higher level party, someone coming in as a first level character, as long as you occasionally, you know, cover for the guy so he doesn't instantly vaporize, it's actually easier for that person to at least make up the bulk of the difference. D&D, D20, yeah. Monsters, that level 1 is going to get more yeah. experience than the level 10. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, hold on, wait. But if you're playing D&D, &D, right, that level 1 character is not fighting that level 10 monster because he jumps in, stabs it with his sword, and the thing splits him in two. Well, Done. He may just be like, okay, stay back, we'll handle this, watch well, us and learn. Or he sits back and goes, I shoot with crossbow, 10th level fighter steps in and kills the monster. That, that's, Experience by association. That's, that's proximity. That, that's fine, but that doesn't always work. because Magic missile always works. It, I attack uh, the yeah. darkness. Well, hold on, wait, wait. What monster are you fighting? Fighting a manacore? All right, the manacore shoots a bolt at you because you've been shooting him with arrows. <laughs> and like you're pissing him off. Right, yeah, yeah, and you're dead. Now, so here's that's when you get the warrior to just... I'm just saying, a big shield right in front of you, <laughs> and say, yeah. "Stand here." But then you're not really getting experience. Yeah, no, I, I, I you appreciate know what I'm exactly what he's saying. However, then I've been in other games where it's you're at a lower level, but not um. you're not the complete novice. You've had some experience, and depending on what the local rule at the table is, could be like at half the experience point total, or a half the level, or a level lower. Whatever the convention that you're at, at with that particular group right. for that particular game is, yeah. um, and also how important in that particular game's mechanic is level. Right. Because I've played in games where two levels means life and death, and I've been in other games where twelve levels. Thick. The concept of the replacement character. Hopefully, you've already got a pre-established rule. For the replacements. Right. If you're intending for the characters to survive, you may actually wish to have a more generous system for a character replacement because yeah. it will be harder for them otherwise. There is a game system that I played once where if you had to re-roll a new character, your level 10 died, that you would come back two levels lower than the lowest level character currently alive in the party. John? Well, I was going to say, game systems like Savage Worlds or other games I played where, uh, like Wushu or Fate, uh, there is no level. You're basically, you're already at, your, at competent level in those game systems. 
your character dies, he comes back, he's just as good as everyone else. Well, hold on, wait, wait, wait. It's, in Savage Worlds, you don't have a level, but you do. Because you have... You oh, have yeah, you experience. Yeah, if you want to make a fighter, I can make a fighter who has 12 decks. Right out the gate. He has 12 decks and he has 12 fighting. With Savage Worlds, what you could do is you could say, well, everybody is heroic. So make up a heroic character. Or I could take them one level lower and say... If everyone's at thirty points, you start at twenty points, and I'll yeah. put you on, and I'll put you on a two point above average uh, experience points. So if everyone else earns three, you earn five. Right, so you, and you, a, can do that. you can do that with any system. I mean, yeah. however, you, however you build your character, you you can yeah. say like for D and D, if everybody's playing seventh level characters, like you you were saying, Amber, say all right. Well, rule is is that when somebody loses a character, you're two levels lower than the lowest, the other lowest level character, and that's a decent rule. We came up with one alternate, though, that worked really well. It had to do with being rewarded experience points. You got more experience points if you were a low-level character. So you would start out with a brand-new character, but at the end of each adventure, you would get way more experience points than everybody else until you got to a certain point, and then you would level out and get the same experience points. Well, yeah, points. that's how the, the D20 system is. The lower-level characters get higher experience points. For If you have a bunch of, in, in my campaign that I have now, I have my NPC. What? So it's basically on the encounter level, basically. Yeah, yeah, basically. I now my NPC is tenth level. He's supposed to be the kindly elderly scientist. He's the brains. He's not a combat guy. Then two sixth level characters and two second level characters, and those second level characters have since gone up to third. Why? Because they got more experience for the encounters than the two sixth level characters did. Because the sixth level characters, yeah, they're gonna. If you're first through third level, you all get the same experience. They but, built but, it that way specifically so those characters could rise quicker, well, especially. Okay, but I think we're all missing one very important point, though. If you're running a game like Fringe, where you, not only can you create a new character, but you got to make sure the character fits into the campaign. Sure. Where did he come? Where, where did he come from? <laughs> you know, you just can't say, "Oh, and this is my brother Joe." It doesn't work. That's a nice segue, because I was going to yeah, go somewhere with this. One of your other options is, is now our group plays with a lot of NPCs. There are a lot of NPCs that travel with us. Another option is, is you can let them play one of the NPCs, take, just take over the, one of the NPCs, and that becomes their character. Yeah, it has an established history. Right, yep. You're yep. already, you have yep. the buy-in of, we know this character, we like this character. It's not like on TV, a different actor is taking over the role. Yeah. Dick now, York, Dick Sargent. Yeah. I can think of, in our campaign that we're playing now, I can think of three NPCs that I would jump at playing in a heartbeat. We have what we would call save points, where this base has the personnel in it. So if you're infringeworthy, you don't necessarily have to go all the way back to Hatsumi to get reinforcements. You could have the local IDTT support base be where there's extra people on hand for the next mission to go out. Right. And congratulations, this team is under is understaffed, so you've just been grafted to it, i.e. replacement character. Yeah. Or we needed to get this message to you when we knew you were there. This guy has been sent to you with the message. When you do conventions like that, there should be something important to explain how, out in the middle of nowhere the character arrives. Right. Because it's either that or, or you have to wait until you either hit... You bet, yeah, thank, oh, God. Thank I, I was going to go there. It's, the indigenous person that, okay, we know they're fringe-worthy, they tag along with us, they have some combat experience, 
yeah, throughout the course of the adventure, we'll get them back to Hatsumi, we'll put them through IDA training, we'll vouch for them. Fine. They're with us. They're the fringe-worthy princess who wants to leave her kingdom, and I think Bruce said this in a previous one, he uses this as an example. The fringe-worthy princess, she finds that, you know, she her family's been killed, she's crying, oh, I don't know what to do, oh, we'll take you in, and that's the new character that the yeah. new the player who lost the character so, gets to have. So long as you have a location where it makes sense for that person to be. So, you're so may, your, your player may be without a character for one or two sessions until you are able to logically work it in through the plot. Hey, yes. and, you know, and that's also another thing you can do. We're talking about the NPC. Let's say you don't take over an NPC as your new player character. You play the NPC until, until, a logical... until you hit a logical point where you could bring right. in a new character or bring in that character you wanted to bring in. Like, let's yes. say, for example, you happen to know that the party's going to be going to a cyberpunk world in the next adventure because you've seen it on the roster, and you know, and you know the Game Master wants to run that, and you know the team wants to go there. You say, well, I'll, play, I'll just play this NPC until, until we get to cyberpunk, and I'm going to have this cyberpunk character ready to go because I, I want to play a cyberpunk character. Because yep. why do you want to come to a, a session if you're not going to do anything? Right, exactly. Yeah. If your character is going to die, how would you want to do it based on how your character is. If your character is a soldier, oh, I want to be fighting the good fight, you know, protecting the U.S. of A and all this, or if you're, let's say, a hacker, oh, I want to make, I want to run the perfect app, and, you know, I want to go up against black ice and, you know, try to outwit AIs and all this, and I know that they're going to wipe my mind if I mess up, but, hey, I'm doing it for the thrill of the rush of going in, you know. I think the only time stage deaths are really appropriate for me is when a player wants to leave the campaign. I've also found that having the ability to describe your own death, it's its happening. Not a heck of a lot is going to change that. But at least the ability to describe the immediate circumstance of your death. Maybe your, your description Save someone else because you've broken up a fight that's going badly for someone else with, with your mutilated corpse, mind you. Um, but you, you've, you've broken the fight that's going badly for someone else. Or you get to you know have your little bit of spotlight time that's extra. Or you actually get to tell the story because some people really do relish that opportunity. Right. But then again, for the guy whose sole role-playing joy is my character says something witty... You may not necessarily need to go all in on these issues. If your character is going to die, I think that the only reasonable presentation for a GM to come up to you and say, how do you want your character to die, would be with you having gone to the GM first saying, I want out of this campaign, please kill my character. Because I, I don't believe in character recycling. I don't believe, kill this character off, I don't like him, I want to make a new one. That's bad planning on the player's part, then. Yeah. One of the things that you haven't mentioned is that I firmly believe that the a character should not die until they're going to be missed. I think that if your character is not going to be remembered or at least hated, then your character has never existed. And therefore, there is no good death for that character. Did not make his mark in the in the world, yeah. So he can't you off and then go run straight into the pack of wolves? If you don't remember that character, 
if that character doesn't live on in the rest of the group after you your character have gone, then that character did not have a good character death. Good characters cannot be replaced. You can add characters, but you cannot replace good characters. Uh, a great majority of the time, it's a failure on the player's part. So you might have players who are not very dynamic players, and they're, they're just boring players, and their character will never mean anything to anyone because they never did anything memorable uh, either hey, way, good or bad. If you're a player character, your character should affect the other characters in the game, and when he dies, they should either feel happy, sad, something. They, they, they should there have... There should be a response. Right. Yeah. In our campaign, we had one of the guys, I think he was just tired of playing his character, but... He played that we have we have these drama cards that are very, very like they have a lot of effect in the world. You only get one per game, and you, most of the time you never get to use it. But he played martyr, which meant that his character had to die. So he was literally giving up his game. We're all sitting at the table, going, "Are you serious? You know, it means death to your character, right?" And he's like, "He's like, I'm okay with it." But his character died, and it, it, he didn't die quite as fantastically as he should have, in my opinion. I thought it was kind of like a waste, really. But his character did die. But our characters got really cheap up and actually hunted, were hunting down the, the killers. The game master, he kind of nerfed it a little bit. And, and this was sort of at our bequest. Because we're like, look, our character's going to hunt these guys down to the end of the earth. It's like, but we don't know that John, the player, gave up playing his character. And you're going to have us hunting these guys down for him basically committing suicide. It's like... You need it's, to... It's still a good story arc, though. I know. I was like, <laughs> but, but we didn't want to go down. We have other things we were doing. We had a whole other plan, and this would have been a major tangent that would have really just screwed us up. Basically, the Game Master ner nerfed the whole situation. To, he metagamed the whole situation for us. Yeah, you know his character died. Because that was nothing. We, didn't, we weren't sure that he was dead. He was, he was captured. And so he's like, no, he died. And then they went through a wormhole... And you can't get to them anymore, and your characters know it, and you, you, you will mourn his loss. Well, especially if you don't mourn him. I mean, you, you can't just say, you know, you should mourn his character. The player should mourn the character. We do, and we are. But the, the point is, the reason why we didn't go down that rabbit hole was because it was completely unexpected. And John, I mean, he essentially gave up his character. There was no way to incorporate the the killers into the main story. No, no, no. They were going this way and we were going that uh, way. We're playing yeah. Star Trek. They're going to another part of the universe okay. and we had stuff to do way over there and we're on a strict timeline. So if we go chase these guys down, we'll never make that other timeline. There's no way. Okay. Blix is right. There are times when you are on a timeline, but that doesn't mean that you don't mourn the character. It doesn't mean that you don't regret that you can't do it. It doesn't mean that you don't make plans to take care of that as soon as you possibly can. I'm saying that's where the role playing comes in, where the person doesn't just vanish because you can't deal with the situation for that moment. You should carry it through. And then that way the character not the player, the character has died a worthy death. But our characters have plans that when we're done doing the thing that we have to do, we're going to go back and find these guys and make them pay. Yep. And that will become a new story arc once yes. we finish this arc. Yes, yes. But it, it also gives the Game Master a new arc to plan for. Yes. yes. And right. once he does, the other players get fired up, and it becomes fun because you're out for blood. It's like, you're you took rage. one of our own, we're taking you down, 
just accept you guys that killed our buddy. Just accept this as fact. You're walking dead. You just right. don't know when it's going it, to happen. I, it's it's a mission in that no one has to pay you. You'll actually you will actually. Pay oh no! Yeah, you're, you're doing this for the love I of the game. I yeah. understand the hunt for revenge. The somebody has killed your best friend. Yeah. But if you have to put that on hold to finish the main storyline, I think time needs to be put into perspective because depending on how long it takes you in game time to finish your original quest. If it's taken you years, are you still going to want to go out on a blood punch? Uh, the quest for revenge, grudges. Some of that stuff can be carried on by your offspring. Yes. Well, no, but I mean, well, okay, hang on. <laughs> well, it depends on how you carry on their memory. Yes. But in that case, the way that their death would impact you would permanently affect your mental health and the way you act. Well, hold on. There, there were other things in play here, and I'll, t- I'll tell you. It wasn't just... Like, it's a part of the timeline. One of the guys is trying to clear his name, right? And he's been given an opportunity. This, this opportunity had just come up where he had this... He could go back to his home world and clear his name, right? But he was on the time limit. And if he didn't do it, this one... This char- and, and the player has been working towards this. This is very important. It's very integral yeah. to that character. You know what? I can go back and I can I can make these other guys pay later, but I have to do this right now. And then my and while we're there, we're gonna leave there. My character has something that's very time sensitive. There's something that's going to be at a certain place at a certain time, and I know it. And if I don't if I don't show up there, I will never see the thing that that my character literally since the beginning of the campaign has been on this quest. If I'm not there to collect the thing that's going to be there, I may never get it. This was John playing a card. This had nothing to do with any planned storyline whatsoever. And it wasn't that his character really got killed. He played a card that let his character get killed. So he was basically, him as the player, him as a person, was tanking the whole campaign for all of us by doing that. And he didn't want to do that. So he basically would ruin everything... That two of us have been working for from the beginning. Well, of this here's campaign. the thing: once you guys, there's a have, very critical moment when he did this. You guys, like, you son of a. <laughs> yeah, you guys sit there and it's like, okay, you've been now thrust with having to deal with this character's death, right? And the human mind can compartmentalize wonderfully, right? You're like, okay, we have our things that we have to do. We are still mourning this person. We still grieve his loss. We miss him every day. But there are things that life must go on. Once we take care of what we have to do, we're going to come back. We go after them. And because you've resolved your personal threats, your personal vendettas, and your personal lives, you can take on this new quest with a new figure. Like, okay, I don't have this, my old baggage. I don't have anything else to do. Yeah, but we're gunning them down. It's like, you have just become my full time job. Yes. Right. But then you also come into the matter of the character death may have actually been part of the story arc, but it's still going to tank the personal quests of most of the party. When does that situation trump the needs of the individual story arcs of the party? Because if you're talking about emotional The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. It depends. Well, you know, so do we get to look at the GM and say, we don't care if the character that's crucial to your future plot line 
has gone is is in need of dire rescuing. We are in the middle of a war, and we need to finish the siege of X or yeah. kill the evil king or what have you. And I really don't feel that this is the right time to address that because that could be its own topic of a of a. Skype call. Well, let's wait a minute, let's put it in perspective from from, from pop culture that, that we would all agree on that, that we can all see. Let's say that they're trying to get the ring, the one ring, to the volcano, and you know they're on a time limit. There's this the stuff is going on. They have to make a beeline for it, and Gollum kills Sam and then runs off down the rabbit hole. Right? Does Frodo stop his mission and go chase after Gollum to get his revenge, or does he continue forward with the ring? He has to, he has to continue for it. He has to continue. That's more important. That's yeah. more important than his revenge. Yes. Just that's just. But it, and it's it, the it, same it, kind of thing. The human mark, the human mind, the humanoid mind, because they're they're haplings, compartmentalizes. You know, okay, I I have to complete this mission. I find Gollum again. There's not going to be a le- enough left of him to put in a thimble. Right. Right. Compartmentalizing aside, I think that there would still need to be a need for closure. Oh, if sure. he couldn't go after Gollum, I think he would still stall long enough to properly tend to Sam. Oh, depending yeah, yeah, depending on where on that story arc, stopping to tend to Sam may well get him killed. Well, no, no, may no, no, well no. get the ring falling into the hands of Sauron, which kind of nerfs the whole End game. game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not saying that, that, that you, don't bury your, you don't bury your dead or whatever. I mean, we didn't have a, a dead to bury. They took him. So I'm just saying, it, it, the Game Master basically made it so that these guys left, you can't get to them, and you could go chase after them and maybe go find them, but he's dead, you know he's dead, it's not going to do yeah. you any, all you're going to get is revenge, that's all you're going to get out of it, and you're going to lose Ooh. all this other stuff yeah. that you've been working for, so it's kind of like, ooh, alright, fine, we'll come back for it, we'll have to put it on the, the future to-do list, Yeah. kill other guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh 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 a lot. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, we're making that, you know, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I know I'm making that it's, it's something that my character's going to be dealing with for the next quite a few adventures. If you're a player with the characters and you've lost somebody, incorporating his memory into the storyline, naming your new ship after him, using a phrase that he might have used, or if he has stuff left behind... This was Jason's gun. He would have wanted us to use this to keep on fighting. Something like that. Or you start living your, like, let's say he was more moral than you. Well, this mm-hmm. character wasn't. But let's say he was. Right, right. Right? It's like, well, I'm going to strive to be a better person because Jason, would, you know, he, yeah. was, he was always trying to get me to do this. And in his honor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue working towards all my own. Or I'm going to finish something that he left undone. Yeah, his name was Jay. It was J-A-C-E-N. I see, I see yeah. a lot of WWJD's jokes. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, right. Okay. But, but yeah, I, right, right. right. <laughs> but yeah, carrying on a quest that he may have not have finished. Right. Even if it was just something like, I want to go home and you know give this this artifact I had from a friend of mine right. back to like in Next Generation Robotech, Lunk giving the book for the guy that fell in combat. So that type of thing. So we're we're we've done we've kind of kind of gone all around this. Basically, we're talking about closure. Yes. So For like, characters that have died and the other players dealing with it. Right, right. Well, there's plenty of things you can do to carry that on. I like some of your suggestions. There's a few other ones you could try. For example, you could leave an empty place at the dinner table. 
Oh, yeah. Or leave us okay. at the tavern when you're all together, yeah. Right. You can put the person's picture up on the wall, and everybody, before you walk out, you touch your hand to the picture before you go out to do the job. I mean, there's things that you can do, little pieces of characteristics that show that you cared about that character and that character is still important to you. And that keeps that character alive because ultimately, you know, we are only what we are remembered by. And that's what's important to characters in fiction. It's also important to characters in life. It's a measure of immortality. Character may not be around anymore, but we are keeping him alive in what we do, how we act what we perpetuate of his from this point on. Like superheroes, you have a statue of your fallen comrade in your headquarters or whatever, or you have his costume encased in glass and you have it there in the meeting room. So every time you guys are together, he's there in some form. Also, if this guy brings in a new character, which John has, he brought in a brand new character, the one thing that he's going to have to deal with, and this is going to basically be in some ways, be his punishment for letting his, <laughs> letting his character die, is... Being compared to that previous character. Well, not only that, but he doesn't share the brotherhood that, yeah, that he, the rest of the us have. Yeah. Or, or in, in the other Verse America campaign, it's the FNG. Right. The FN new guy. Right, right. And he gets hazed, he gets razzed, low seniority, low doesn't man get the included. Club. Yeah. And yeah. he has to prove himself. Right. Yeah, that's that's something else that has to be dealt with. And that's not necessarily one of the good things of having the, you know, new character replacing the old one. It's that he's going to take a lot of grief from these other characters. It's like, you're no Jason. Right. Don't Just because you're filling the role, don't think you are. But he also knows because they care about their fallen comrades that if he falls, he's going to be remembered too had the situation happen recently we we're playing a game of savage worlds it's in warhammer 40k universe but my character who got taken over by a demon sword toward the end he was able to, to fight off the sword but he almost died in the process he mutated because he was touching evil and therefore he's sitting there feeling these horns on his face and tusks and he said to his friend kill me the air player had a coup de gras him then i had a unique situation of finding out what her character thought of my character and it turned out she missed them she could not have determined that from play but now that my character is dead she she always laments that he's not there and she misses him and all this i'm going oh wow i never knew that thank you eric for joining us for this lively discussion of when's it worthwhile for a character to die and welcome back amber who's been away from the mics for far too long Only a week. All right. You listened and you heard about this stuff. So when your character dies, don't go crying to me about it, all right? Go make a new one. Now, next time your character dies, make sure it's a good death. You hear that? So get out there, play like you never played before. So give me a oorah. Oorah. That's right. So next time... You make your player death mean something. You got that? Do you get that? Yes, yes sir. All right. Don't call me a sir. I'm a sergeant. I work for a living. And we'll see you next week. But until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. 
Don't hate the game. Hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. This is Eric. It's all about having fun with friends. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.